0: The other, <laughs> the other day, anything, anything ever happened to you and makes you, like, look sideways at it? You're like, hmm. I was out, and I called Larissa, or maybe she called me. I don't remember what happened. But we started talking about spring break, and she said, you know, she started talking about cabins. And we're like, oh, that, you know, so we're, we have, like, this 10-minute conversation about cabins. And um, she was looking them up at the computer at, on the, at the house, and uh, I was like, yeah, you know, see what there is and all this. And so we got off the phone, and a little while later, I was doing something where I had a few minutes, and I, was, and I looked at my phone, and there were some notifications on my phone, Facebook notifications. So I opened the Facebook notifications, and I was just strolling through Facebook. You know how you do. You just kind of scroll. And something caught my eye. Because right there in the middle of my Facebook feed, there's this advertisement. And you know what the advertisement was? And I know you know, because it's happened to you. If you're on Facebook, it was for cabins in Rio Doce, New Mexico. And I went, hold up. I didn't look up Rio Doce, New Mexico on my phone, on my tablet, or my laptop. We just talked about it. And so I was like, Mark Zuckerberg is listening. (laughs) If you don't know who that is, that is the creator of Facebook. And I was like, Mark is listening to my conversations. So I was like, okay, all right, maybe that's just an, an odd coincidence, right? So later on in the day, we are on the phone and we're talking, and she says, you know, she goes, I've been thinking, well, maybe I can, you know, trade in my car And we could, you know, kind of downsize. I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm not opposed to that. You know, so we talked about it. And she goes, yeah, I was looking up a few cars on the computer and, you know, all this. And and I said, okay, well, we'll we'll talk about it. So I get off the phone. And a little bit – I get home – and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at the, at the house, and I start looking on Facebook because this notification came up. And I stroll, and right there in the middle is an advertisement for the exact vehicles that my wife was looking up. I still have not looked it up on my phone, on my iPad, or my computer, but there it was. And I told her, I said, look at this. And she's like, oh. I said, I haven't looked at it I said, it, Mark Zuckerberg, and Facebook is listening. And so, you know what we do? Have you ever tried this? You're like, okay, let's test it. And so, we're sitting there, and I have my phone out, and I said, okay, let's just talk about a random topic and see if it comes up. And so, we start talking. I don't even know what we talk about. So like, you know, like, uh, let's go buy an elephant or something. I don't even know if you can buy elephants. That may be illegal to buy an elephant. But we start talking about buying elephants, and I started scrolling to see if Mark was listening, and an advertisement for elephants came on my phone. It didn't. But you know, it, it just—you ever had something like that kind of just freak you out, and you're like, uh. and so, but, but, and the thing is, I, it got me thinking about Facebook and social media and all that. We live in this social media frenzied world, don't we? We we live in this 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 because it's a daily influence. Anybody on Sunday get this little notification on your phone that shows you how much screen time you've had that week? Yeah, see, I get it. I don't know why I get it, but I get it. And the first time I got it, I was like, what? There ain't no way I spent that much time on my phone or my iPad. But it gives you this summary of your entire week of how much time you've spent looking at your phone or your iPad. And it shocked me. How many hours a day I average on a device? And I realize this. These little things right here and the iPads and all that and social media is an absolute influence in our life. We live in a society where people don't have news conferences as much. You know what they do? They tweet. If if you're sports or you like political, uh, politics or, or follow movies or whatever, they, people will tweet out all of their thoughts because you can now, it's even bigger than 140 characters, right? And so you don't have to th- wonder what they're thinking, what they're doing, you just follow them on Twitter. And so we, we live in this world of, of everyone has something to say on some type of social media site. We're eat up with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and there's probably 20 other things that I don't even know about that everybody's on, but so, but we're eat up with it, right? Everybody's got something to say. Well, the important thing is the church has something to say. Yeah. Yeah? The church has something to say. We... Have something to say. We have something to tell the world. We have something that the world needs. There's a lot of stuff being thrown out there. There's a lot of stuff being said by a lot of different people, but the church has something to tell the church, tell the world. And if the church isn't telling the world, then we're condoning what where the world's headed, and we're just sitting idly by and choosing to do nothing while people walk down a path of destruction, and that's not what we're called to do. The church is called to tell the world about Jesus Christ and about his freedom and about his liberty and about his power and about his grace and his mercy and his love and compassion and his spirit and, and, and his deliverance. That's what the, the, that's what the church is meant to do. That's why in the book of Acts in Jerusalem, it all began in a, in a second story room in the city of Jerusalem, and it flowed out of that room, and it began to reach living rooms, and it began to reach streets and and alleyways and in different places. Why? Because this whole thing was designed. His spirit came in like a rushing mighty wind in the book of Acts. Why? So that the church could be born, and the church could tell the world about his power. Amen. Because what is the world? It, it's scared. It's bound. It's fearful. It doubts. It's an unbelieving world. It, 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 we could spend all day defining what the world is, but we have something that we must tell the world. And if I'm not telling somebody about Jesus, and if I'm not telling somebody about the infilling of his spirit, then I'm not doing my job. Amen. If you had a gift that you knew could change somebody's life and you kept it to yourself, or let me ask you this, if you needed a gift that could change your life and somebody else kept it to themselves, how would that make you feel? You know, and I'm I'm preaching to me just as I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to say you're not doing your job. I'm just saying we have a job to do, and the job is to tell the world about Jesus, to tell the world that there is freedom, that you can be delivered from bondage, that you can be delivered from fear and doubt, and all those things, and your, the past of uh, mistakes and choices, all those things that have one at one time gripped us. Amen. Why don't we've got to share that with the world? Amen. And Because there's a lot of people saying a lot of things, and a lot of those things that, that they're saying have no effect on their eternity. And if they do have an effect on their eternity, it's a negative effect on their eternity. But we have one story that can absolutely change somebody's eternal destination for the better. And it's our calling. Look at somebody and say, you have a calling. It's our calling to tell the world. Amen. Amen. And I'm not saying tweet about it. I'm not saying Instagram about it. I'm not saying Facebook about it. You can do all those things, but I'm telling you, when you come across somebody and you see the pain in their eyes and you see the bondage that they're living in and you see things that, that you recognize from your old life, the first thing you need to tell them is about the freedom that Jesus Christ has to offer them, amen, because somebody somewhere shared that gift with you, amen, and it's time that the church pay it forward. Amen. It was given to us, to the church on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. It's time to pay it forward because there's a lot of hurting people. There's a lot of broken people. There's a lot of people that are bound by fear and anxiety. And and there's a lot of people bound by addictions and a lot of people bound by other devices. Amen. And so I've got a message and the message is Jesus is the answer. Amen. In Romans, if you will, turn with me to Romans chapter eight, verse two. This is this is what we need to say. This is what we need to tell the world. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. If you don't believe anything else, believe that the law of. Of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You see, leave that verse up because the important part is that first phrase. The law of the spirit of life has set you free. You see, the law of the the, the, the phrase literally means the rule. That word law means rule or positional authority. The position authority of authority that the Spirit has. And notice the word Spirit has what? A capital S. And when you see the capital S in the Word of God, you know that it's talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the Spirit of God. It's talking about the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord, however you want to define it, the Holy One. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. The the, the rule or the authority of the spirit that gives life has freed you from the rule of sin and death. You see, because the world thinks that they're still under the rule of sin and death. That's the deceit. That's the lie. That's the trickery. That's the device that the enemy tells people that, oh, you can't. Be free from this. Once an addict, always an addict. No, that's a lie of the enemy because once the authority of the Holy Spirit speaks life into you, you are no longer under the authority of sin and death. Amen. Because the authority of the Holy Spirit reigns over the authority of sin and death. Sin and death bows at the feet of the Holy Spirit. Sin and death has no control over, over the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because there was a day when, the, when our Savior was buried, and he didn't stay buried, and he chose to rise again. And the moment he rose from that grave, he conquered sin and death. And his rule became higher than sin and death's rule, not only in his life, but in your life. So I've got something to say, and I'm saying it to you here today. You are no longer under the rule and the authority of sin and death. You are under the rule and authority of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I meet people and I see people. I drove through Starbucks this morning. And a lady and a man were working the window. And the man came, and as soon as he stepped uh, towards the window, I began to feel something about that man. And it was like the Lord was showing me the chains wrapped around him. I didn't have the opportunity to speak to him. But you know what? If I ever get the opportunity, I've got something to say to that man. Those chains, whether intended by him or not, he does not have to live in those chains. Amen? Do we believe that? Do you believe that today, that we don't have to live in fear? We don't have to live in bondage. We don't have to live in captivity. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, I've come to set the captive free. Amen. And he who is free is free indeed. Amen. that's the message that we have to tell the world. That's the message of the church. Amen. That there is freedom in his spirit. Amen. And so we've got something to say. If the Holy Spirit has freed you from sin and death, you are under the authority of the Spirit, not the authority of sin. Amen. But choosing to stay under the, 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 the authority of sin is a decision. It's not a necessity. Amen. Amen. So I began to think about the operation of, of his spirit and how he works and how he moves and how he operates. And I want to show you this in, in it starts in the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis chapter one verse two, I want you to see this with me. Genesis chapter one verse two, it says, "And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth." Kind of sounds like humanity. There was a lot of darkness in the lives of humanity. That's why the flood ever, that's why a flood happened. And in the other place in in the Old Testament, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were were filled with uh, darkness and sin and and, and debauchery and all these things. And and there was destruction there. And, And so the earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the earth. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, I want you to, I want you to, we're going to read this in the English Standard Version. I want you to notice the difference. The earth, was, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of, the, of God was hovering over the face of the waters. King James Version uses the word move because what is the Holy Spirit? Is, it, is the, it is the action Part of God, it is God in action in our life that 's what it is that 's why when you read about the Holy Spirit whether it 's the Old testament or the new testament it 's always doing something it 's never dormant it's never just idle it's always it 's either moving it's baptizing it's feeling it's healing it's touching it's operating whatever it's doing it 's always in action because the spirit is the action part of God it 's not It's not the third person in the Godhead. It's the action part of God. Amen? And so, because God is a spirit, the Bible tells us that. And so, we see right from the beginning that the spirit of God is moving, and he's operating, and he's hovering. Why did it hover? Well, this is what I want to show you. The spirit hovered upon the face of the waters. Then, in the next few verses, we see that God speaks and light is created. So you have the Spirit hovering, God speaks, and light is created. So why did the Spirit have to hover or move first? Why couldn't God just speak? Well, to understand that, the key is to understand the purpose of of the Spirit, not in just our world, but in our life. The Spirit moved upon the face of the waters or hovered over the darkness and the Spirit hovering brought about a quickening. The the Bible uses the word quickening. What happens is the Spirit hovering over the void, over the darkness, brought about a quickening to the inorganic matter, to make it alive and responsive to his voice. So let me clarify that. The Spirit moves or hovers over this vast void. Nothing there. It's empty. It's dark. No light. The Spirit of God moves, and all of a sudden, there's a stirring. And so when God speaks... Light is created. You see, what the Spirit does in your life is it moves in us so that we can become responsive to His voice when He speaks to us. If I'm not allowing the Spirit to move in me, there may be a possibility that I can't hear his voice because I haven't allowed the spirit to move first. The spirit and his voice will always work in tandem and parallel and unison and harmony with each other. The spirit hovered, God spoke, And the void responded by bringing forth light. If you want God to speak creatively in your life, you've got to allow the Spirit to hover or to fill or to baptize or to operate or to move in you. If I'm shut off to the Spirit, then I may be dumb to His voice. I don't want to be dumb in the ears to His voice, so I've got to be open to the moving of His Spirit. I've got to allow the Holy Ghost to move in my life. I can't be restrictive. I can't be shut down. I can't be uh, scared of it. I've got to allow the Holy Ghost to move in my life so that I can clearly hear the voice of God when he desires to speak something creative into my life. You see, because the voice of God will speak things into existence in your life. And what the Spirit does is it brings to life the things that are dead. Sin has killed things in our life. That's what sin does. It's death. Sin is death. Sin and death. They're they're both the same. And that's why he came, and that's why he died, and that's why he rose again. And what we see in the days of creation are a type and a shadow of what the Spirit of God wants to do in us. And the Spirit would move in us so that he could bring to life some things that are lying inorganic. You know what that word inorganic means? The word inorganic simply means without organized physical structure. There are things in your life that are lying inorganic because you, we have not allowed the Holy Ghost to to move and hover over them because when the Holy Ghost moves in over the inorganic the inorganic becomes organic or it becomes alive and that's what the word means when it says quicken. Quicken simply means to make alive and when the spirit moves there is a birthing process, there is a resurrection process that happens to the dead things that sin has killed in us and those dead things become alive and the anointing that God has placed in you becomes alive, And the gifting that God has placed in you becomes alive and the abilities that God has placed in you becomes alive. The calling that God has put in you becomes alive. The purpose that God has placed in you, his perfect will that he has placed in you becomes alive. As long as the spirit can move and hover in my life, I've got to be free and open to the moving and the operating of the Holy Ghost, or I cannot and will not be able to fulfill his purpose and his calling for my life and I may not be able to hear his voice amen so we've got to allow the Holy Ghost to move because if the Holy Ghost is not allowed to move in our church in the church then it cannot move in the world that's why we see he all he has always chosen 1 Peter 2 9 tells us you are a chosen generation. You know why you were chosen? To tell the world about him. That's why you were chosen. Amen. Why didn't why didn't the Holy Ghost fall in the streets of Jerusalem first? Because there had to be a voice. And so he chose to fall on the church in the upper room first so that they could be the voice of to the world and they came out and Peter stood up and he said and because they were wondering hey what's going on uh, are these guys drunk or what, what, what's happening and Peter stood up and he became the voice of God and he began to tell the world that was gathered around him that hey 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 this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel he, when he said I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh what you see is the spirit falling and then the voice of God speaking and what happened after that people were filled and people were baptized by the Holy Ghost the spirit moves the spirit hovers the spirit comes in like a rushing mighty wind and then the voice of God speaks and things happen lives are changed and so if the church stays silent the world is left to the dead Amen. We have a responsibility. I was not filled with the Holy Ghost. He doesn't, he, he doesn't refill me over and over again just to keep it to myself. I was not meant to be a pond. I was meant to be a flowing river. What's the difference? A pond has no outlet. A river flows. There's movement. A pond grows stagnant and stale and begins to stink. A river gives life to everything it touches. Amen. We've got to allow the spirit to move. If we damn it up, we'll become stale, stagnant, and stank. <laughs> Amen. I don't want to stank. Amen. Both literally and spiritually. <laughs> Becoming responsive to his voice is important because. Those anointings and those giftings that God has placed in you, and you He He birthed them in you when you were born. And He put things in you that you don't even know are possible. You know how I know that? It's because I watched it happen in my own wife. She stands up here and she plays these keys so beautifully. And I wish, I wish I could play like she played. I wish I could sing like she can. I can sing. She don't let me, but I can sing. And my favorite audience are my two beagle hounds. They love to hear me sing. They're about the only one that love to hear me sing, but they love to hear me sing. And they'll 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 howl with me. Man, Ellie, she just cries. I think it's because of my voice, but I'm not sure. But see, God God has birthed things in you, and and he put an ability in her that she didn't even see come to fruition until she was uh, in her 20s, and God presented an opportunity. You see, that's that's what God does. He puts something in you, and then it may be 10, 15, 20 years down the road an opportunity is presented, and if you'll allow the Holy Ghost to move in your life, in that opportunity, he'll bring and he'll quicken those giftings and abilities that he's put in you and that anointing that he's put in you to do something that you never thought possible. And so we're at a church, and we're student pastors, and and, and everything's going going good. And and, and she starts uh, figuring out that, well, um, if we're going to have music in our youth service, I'm going to have to learn a piano. And so she started with middle C. I'm going to take a guess and see if I can figure it out with see. That's about the middle. Is that middle C? Maybe, no, I don't know. Maybe that one? Maybe that one. One of those. And she started out with middle C. She went ding. We had a little keyboard in our house. And the first few weeks was brutal. Cause she was dun. But then. It, it began to it began to flow, and she began to learn, and and God began to move, and an opportunity. The church had a transition. One month later, after she poked out middle C. One month later, the music director for our church transitioned out, and the pastor said, "Hey, <laughs> you're our new music director," and she's like, "What?" <laughs> you're funny. And that Sunday, she got up on the piano, and she played the only three songs she knew. That's it. Every one of them were slow. Amen. And the next Sunday, you know what it? did? She played the same three songs, She the only three songs she knew. And for a month, we sang basically the same song every single Sunday. But you know what? God began to move, and God began to bring about a quickening and in and a, and a releasing of talent and ability and and and, and she learned how to Play fast songs, and instead of just slow songs, and, and seven months later she's directing choirs, and she's and she's playing for uh, for large youth meetings and youth camps and different things. Why? Because God took, God gave an opportunity. The Spirit moved, and there was something that was brought to life that she didn't even know lived within her. Let me tell you something. God has placed things in you to fulfill His purpose for you. But if we'll allow the Holy Ghost to operate and move in our life, he will bring those things to life. And then he will give you opportunity to operate in those. And he will bless you in those. And you can bless him in those. And you can tell the world about him to others by using those talents and abilities. And that's how it works. That's how it happens. Amen. As he hovers. I've heard people say that they couldn't hear the voice of God. and My fear is that not just people, but the church can't hear the voice of God because it has closed its doors to the hovering of the Spirit of God. That's my fear, is that we've we, we've got the music and we've got all this stuff as the church in, whole, in a whole, and we've got all this stuff going on. But we have closed the doors and put a time frame on the operation of the Spirit, and the Spirit is desiring to hover, and the Spirit is desiring to operate, and the Holy Ghost is desiring to move, not in just apostolic churches, not in just Pentecostal churches, but He's knocking on every door of every church in the world, and He's desiring to move, and He's desiring to operate, and He's desiring to fill people with His Spirit, but we've closed the doors, and we say, no, you can't operate here because we, we don't have control over of that and, and and we and, and, and sometimes it, it, it think people act crazy when the spirit moves and the spirit hovers. But he's saying, if you'll let me hover, if you'll let me move, then the voice of God will follow the operation and the moving of the spirit, and the voice of God will speak creatively into our churches and into our families and into our lives. But when we shut the door to the operating of the spirit. We close our ears to his voice. Amen. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because the only way that the church knows what to tell the world is by listening and hearing the voice of God. And that's why our churches are being split apart by sin. And that's why our churches, we've got pastors and we've got people standing on platforms and on television. And and, and they're afraid to call sin, sin. And they're afraid to declare what the word of God says. And they're afraid to tell people that they need to change to make heaven their home. Amen. That's not Tim Dunn. That's not uh, just Pentecostal. That's the word of God. Amen. And and we've we've got entire organizations being split in half because of sin. Because somewhere along the way, they closed the door to the moving of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to bring it all down to us personally. If you ever close the door to your life, to the moving of the Holy Ghost, it's possible that you'll cease to hear his voice because his spirit will always move in unison with his voice. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 32. A couple weeks ago, we had a men's breakfast and John told us about eagles and it blew me away. And I found this talking about God and and the operation of of God for Israel. It says, Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign God was with him. So this is what happened. The exercise of the eagle mother is about instruction and direction, being spirit led. This is what happens. She stirs them out of their nest while they just lie dozing and eating, okay? She flutters over them. Why? That word flutters literally means hover. She hovers over them, flapping her massive wings to show them how to use what they've been given. Why does the spirit hover? To show you how. I feel the Holy Ghost to show you how to use and operate what God has given you. That's why I've got to be open to the hovering of the Spirit so I can learn how to fly, so I can learn to flap my wings, so I can learn to use what God has given me to fulfill His purpose, to to work in His kingdom, to fulfill my calling as the church. And she flaps over them to show them that they must use their wings. And then to get them accustomed to flying, she puts them under her wings. And she shows them how to fly until they have learned to fly on their own. The Holy Ghost hovers. Why? Instruction direction. What's the church? The church is spirit-filled. Yes, day of Pentecost, the upper room, all that. And throughout history, the church has always been spirit-filled. That's the original design. Amen? Every church that calls itself a church needs to associate with the original operation of the church. And that is the rushing mighty wind of the Holy Ghost coming in and filling them. If we're not Spirit-filled, we won't be Spirit-led. And we won't be able to tell the world about the power and the life-changing ability of His spirit And so it comes in and it instructs and it directs and it quickens, it brings to life those things that God has given us so that we can learn to walk by faith and we can learn to fly in His purpose. But what happens is as long as we can witness God within our five physical senses, it's easy to walk by faith. But when God doesn't manifest Himself within the confines of our five senses, we find it difficult to walk by faith. We start questioning things when we can't see Him. Or when we can't hear Him. Or we can't feel His touch. Or we can't, as the Word of God, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when when God doesn't manifest himself in the ways that we associate the five senses, we become fearful and doubt sets in and we begin to think that God has gone completely silent or removed himself from our situation. It's not that God's voice has gone silent. It's that his spirit is not being allowed to hover. Because when His Spirit is not allowed to operate in our life, we start to walk by sight, which is the operation of the flesh. Romans 8 and 5 tells us, He says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. We can't hear him because our eye, our ears are have been dulled by the noise of our own doubt. And we can't see him because our eyes have been dimmed by the darkness of our own fear. But the church, the church has something to say. There's hope. Why don't you look at somebody and tell them there's hope? There's hope. And this is what the church needs to tell the world. There's hope. I know you're down in despair, but there's hope. I know you lived with this for 20 years, but there's hope. I know you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but there's hope. Because in Romans 8, 10, it says, but if Christ is in you. In you. Said, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. I want you to stand with me this morning. I feel. I want you to close your eyes all over this building and and, 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 and I'm going to ask you one thing and one thing only. I want you to be responsive today. Determine in your life, in your mind, in your heart right now that for the next few minutes as we close out this service that you're going to respond to what you feel. Because At some point in your life, you realized, or if you haven't, I'm here to tell you that the rule of sin and death is in your life is over. And I feel the hovering of the Spirit today. I feel the operation, the moving of the Holy Ghost today. And as the Spirit hovers, God can speak and He can speak creatively into your life. And I believe there are things that God desires to speak in some of your lives today. If you'll just allow the Holy Ghost to hover just for a little bit. His Spirit has come to baptize you and to set you free. And and this is what I want you to know today. So as we step out from where you're at and as we come around our altar as a church family right now, I wonder, I wonder If you would allow the Holy Ghost to begin to hover. You see, when Jesus rose from that grave. There was an order of submission that took place. Sin and death became submissive. To his spirit. And so if I. Will become submissive. To his spirit. Then sin and death. Will become submissive. To him. That is in me. And that's why the scripture says. Greater is he who is in you. Than he that is in the world. Because sin and death is in the world. But if I'll let. If I'll become submissive to him. Sin becomes submissive to he that is in me.